0: Castellanos has it, and the Phillies have the National League Championship, and have beaten the Podcast pals from WHYY and BillyPen.com. It is hitting season. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. Coming up, I'm gonna recap the first couple games from this series the Phillies are playing against the lowly Detroit Tigers. Wednesday's series finale was postponed due to the smoke coming from Canada. And as I record this late on Wednesday night, it's unclear whether or not Thursday's game will be played by the time you hear this podcast. You will probably know the answer to that question, but we'll take a look back at the first couple of games, and uh, we'll also talk with Washington Post national baseball reporter Chelsea Janes about what she has seen from the Phillies so far this season, and we'll also chat about the other teams in the National League like the Phillies who made the playoffs last year that are struggling, and we'll also dip into some of the teams that are overperforming here in the early part of the season and whether or not they can keep that up. So we'll get to all that stuff here on this edition of Hit and Season. Uh, but before I do that, just wanted to remind you guys about our Hit and Season Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash hit and season where we've got uh, Absolutely Hammered. We've got a phenomenal episode of Absolutely Hammered up there uh, that Justin and Chris did. So you're going to want to make sure you check that out uh, and going over to the Patreon and signing up on one of the tiers. It's it's a tour de force episode of that particular podcast. And so I won't say anything more about it here. I want you to go over there, patreon.com slash hit season, sign up and listen to it because it's absolutely phenomenal. And of course, that's where the dirty inning now lives as well. So uh, you're going to not want to miss those episodes of the podcast too. All right. So let's talk about this Phillies Tigers series and who boy are the Tigers a bad baseball team, man. The Phillies got a couple of teams at just the right time. The Nationals and the Tigers. Right when they were struggling the most, they got two of the worst teams in baseball. Now the Nationals have been a better than expected team this year. They're not good, but they're kind of spunky. They're frisky. You know, they're they're a decent little team. They're not they're not going to the playoffs. They're not going to be a 500 team. They'll probably finish 10 or 15 games below 500. Maybe it'll be 20 games below by the time the end of the season rolls around. But for right now, they're they're a spunky little bunch. But the Phillies have had their number over the last few years, and the Detroit Tigers come into town and I'm not kidding you man this is like the worst lineup I've seen any team come into Philadelphia with this year but this is the this is the worst team the Phillies have played so far this season and that's we haven't gotten to the Oakland A's yet and the Oakland A's I think at last check had 13 wins on the season so far they were 13 and 14. Fifty or something like that. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, the um yeah, let me look it up because it, the record it has to be seen to be believed. I was actually going to even make it my stat of the week, just the the Oakland A's record because uh, it's hard to believe that a, a major league team could be this bad. But yeah, they are fourteen and fifty so far here in the regular season. But uh, the Detroit Tigers uh, not a whole lot better, uh, sitting here at twenty six and thirty three. They are somehow just three and a half games out in the American League Central behind the Minnesota Twins, who are 31-31. and 31. Crazy. The Detroit Tigers on a five-game losing streak, still just three and a half games out of first place. This is a team that is just awful. And we saw in the first couple games of this series, Aaron Nola and Taiwan Walker, the Phillies' two most enigmatic starters this season. The two guys that just have not been able to generate any kind of consistency, put together two fantastic performances against this Tigers team. And so I guess the question I'm kind of wondering and I know a lot of people are wondering is have the Phillies gotten better? Are they doing better now? Are they just are they playing well? Is this is this an improvement from the Phillies or are the Nationals and Tigers just that bad? I think We'll get an we'll get a real answer to that question when the Dodgers come to town this weekend. I think it's a combination of the two. I don't know that the Phillies are necessarily playing great baseball. They are pitching better, but how much of that is because Nick Maton is hitting fifth in this Tigers lineup? I mean, it's it's a bad bad punchless lineup now Kyle Schwarber is doing his June thing again which is great to see he accounted for the lone run in Tuesday's one to nothing victory with a lead off home run um the, the Phillies offense had, I think, two to three potential home runs pushed back by a very high wind on Tuesday night. I remember Bryce Harper in the dugout was really mad, slamming his helmet after a, a near miss. He really has had trouble hitting the ball out of the ballpark, so I'm sure it's been frustrating for him that he hasn't been able to hit more home runs. But really, the wind kept the Phillies from adding on in that game. Kyle Schwarber, a couple of weeks ago, on starting out slow, said, I hate it. I wish that I didn't, and I'm not and After his leadoff home run the other night, his career numbers in June through October, he has an 875 OPS. It's a 739 OPS in April and May for his career. He had his 31st home run in his last 51 June games with that leadoff home run on Tuesday. The guy just, for whatever reason, can't do anything in April and May. And then as soon as that calendar flips to June, It's a totally different story. In a way, it's fascinating, and it's an entertaining story. It's interesting, and it's also kind of infuriating, like I mentioned on the last podcast. Why is it like this? Now, this year, did the World Baseball Classic have something to do with it? I don't know that it did, because this is what he did the previous two seasons before this. This is just kind of how he is. He's absent for the first two months, and then June rolls around, and suddenly he can hit. It's bizarre. It's absolutely bizarre. There's no rhyme or reason to it. And it's annoying. Makes me a little, it makes me a little angry. I'm not going to lie to you, but I'll take it. Like if, if Kyle Schwarber hits 15 home runs this month, I'll take it, obviously, because they need him. They need him right now. And it's possible also that Trey Turner is heating up. In the series opener against the Tigers, he went four for five with two home runs. He actually almost went five for five, but... The third he had a rocket to third base that was that was caught it was destined to be yet another single um but it was, it was uh it was hauled in and he just couldn't get that fifth hit but he's looked better at the plate maybe June is also going to be his month as well if you if you take a look at the at the monthly numbers here for June Trey Turner so far on the month is hitting 280 with a 308 on base percentage and a 600 slugging percentage that's a 908 OPS here in the month of June for Trey Turner So maybe he's starting to wake up a little bit. We know JT Realmuto had a good series against the Washington Nationals, and so it's good to see some of these guys heat up. Now, the starting rotation has been the key to this four-game winning streak the Phillies are currently on. Again, that and some really bad offenses that they've been playing. But over the last four games, the Phillies' starting pitchers have allowed just one earned run over 23 innings pitched. Okay, now, again, Washington... Is 23rd in runs scored this season. Detroit is dead last in runs scored. Washington is 19th in OPS. Detroit is dead last. Aaron Nola looked great, and I think if you look at the pure stuff from Aaron Nola and Taiwan Walker in the first two games of this series, it was better. Aaron Nola's velocity was up. Taiwan Walker's velocity was up. Nola took a no-hitter into the seventh inning. And he ended with seven in- seven innings pitched, gave up just the one hit, three earned runs, twelve strikeouts, three walks, and that home run. He gave up a home run. That one hit was a home run to Nick Mayton, a three run home run to break up the no hitter. And I took a screenshot of Aaron Nola from the Detroit Tigers television broadcast because I think once he got the ball back and Mayton is rounding the bases and he's kind of rubbing the ball with his hands, I think you can see him smile. I think you can see him smirk. The Phillies are up five to nothing at the time, so that made it five to three. And I I swear you could see him because they, they love Nick Maton. The Phillies still love Maton. They you know, had the nickname Wolfie. He he's a guy that they just that that they he really endeared himself to the clubhouse. And Aaronola after the game said he knows that he's never going to hear the end of it. Right. It's like your little brother. It's kind of I guess what Nick Maton did to Phil Maton last year, right? When he got the RB when he got the, the RBI single off his brother, and then his brother punched a locker and knocked him out of the playoff that knocked him out of the playoffs. I mean, what an idiot, first of all, but Nick Maton has a has a habit of doing this, and he did a bat flip after he hit the three-run home run, so it was obviously special to him, and Aaron Nolan knows it, and he said that he knows that Nick Maton's going to give him crap the whole offseason for it, so that's just going to be forever. Right, Aaron Nola is going to be hearing about that forever. Nick Maton broke up his no hitter, and I think you saw a little smirk there. The Phillies added some insurance runs to make it an eight to three win, so it did end up really mattering. Other than the fact that now Nick Maton has something over Aaron Nola, but Aaron Nola again, his up and down 2023 season continues. He can look great at times, but he has those blow up innings. So he just leaves. Aaron Nola is a guy. If he leaves something out over the plate, it's going to get hammered. So he needs to have that command because he doesn't have the swing and miss fastball. So he's got to live on the outer edges. He's got to live up and down in the zone. He's got to live in and out. And if he leaves a ball over the middle of the plate, even a guy like Nick Maton, who doesn't have a whole lot of power, is going to hit a ball into the second deck. And then the other the the other true mystery, the the true box of chocolates is Taiwan Walker, right? You never know what you're going to get. He went seven innings, gave up two hits, no earned runs, eight strikeouts, three walks. His, va- his fastball, fastball velocity, it was down about a mile and a half per hour in his last outing and has been up and down all season, right? One, one start he has it, the next start he doesn't. The, the next start he has it, the next start he doesn't. His last start, his fastball was 95, 96 miles an hour. So it was back, we're worried about an injury. And he said after the game, essentially, he just was kind of stiff. In some of his starts, he just hasn't felt right on the mound. And the difference in this last start was before his last bullpen session, he started to field grounders in the infield to loosen himself up, that he uses his legs to push off and that that he he wasn't really able to do that in previous starts. And this particular start, he did. So I, I think this is a part of I'm surprised that, you know, it's it took something like that, that he didn't realize he needed to do that. but. Here we are. He apparently did, and he it worked for him, and he looked better. We'll see if it carries over, and that's the thing with Taiwan Walker. He'll have a really good start, but it doesn't carry over. So he needs to maintain this, and he'll his next start will come against the Dodgers this weekend, the team that lit him up, hit him the hardest he's been hit so far this season. He'll get another opportunity against them this weekend at Citizens Bank Park. One other guy I wanted to mention before we get to Chelsea Janes is Craig Kimbrell, the Phillies' new lockdown closer. In his last 11 appearances, he's 2-0 with six saves, 11 innings pitched, two runs, two earned runs, two walks, 19 strikeouts, and an 76 batting average against. Since allowing a walk-off grand slam to Max Muncie back on May 3rd, those are Craig Kimbrell's numbers. a zero, an 0-76 batting average in 11 innings, two runs allowed. He has been sensational. Craig Kimbrell has been way better than I ever could have imagined. Way better than I ever could have imagined. And so that's the Phillies in these first two games against the Tigers. They have really not, the one-nothing victory was was tight and that was uncomfortable, but the Tigers just were not going to score that game, you could tell. And I don't, you know, who if they play this final game of the series, you know, we'll see. The Phillies could really use another game against the Tigers and, and bank another win because I, I just don't see any way that the Tigers beat this team. They are They are terrible. This is a terrible baseball team. And so that's the question here. Are the Phillies really playing better during this four game winning streak? Are they are they playing well? Are they about to turn it around? Are they are they going to hit their stride now after struggling the first two months like they did last year? Or is this a factor of having played the Nationals and the Tigers? Now, I will say, too, the Phillies so far this season have played an inordinate amount of road games. And I think we talked about this on the last podcast can't remember if it was on the last podcast round. I think it was. They've played 11 more road games than home games. They've made up some of that difference here uh, during the course of these two home stands. They've played f- now f- uh, two, home- well, just two home games against the Tigers. But they are a different team at home. They play better at home. And so you know if the Dodgers coming to town you'd like to see the Phillies win two out of three and hopefully they get this last game in against the Tigers and get some momentum before they have to hit the road again but uh, it is good to get some home cooking at Citizens Bank Park and we'll see if the can I don't think they're going to play the game on Thursday I'm assuming they're not going to play the game on Thursday because the air quality I think at Philadelphia is even worse it's really it's worse here in Northern Virginia uh, Wednesday night and it looks like it's going to be worse on Thursday so my guess is they won't play the game on Thursday either but uh, we We'll see how all that works out. We we'll always like to get somebody from outside the Philadelphia area to talk about the Phillies because sometimes we get so deep into our own rabbit hole, it's it's hard to find the way out. And so we take a 30,000-foot view of this baseball team sometimes, maybe to give us a little bit of perspective or maybe to confirm our worst fears. We'll find out because <laughs> we're going to talk to Chelsea Jane's national baseball reporter for The Washington Post. You can follow her on Twitter at Chelsea underscore Jane's. Chelsea, thanks for coming on Hidden Season. It's a pleasure to talk to you. How are you?
1: I'm doing great thank you for having me.
0: It's a pleasure and I've loved reading your work in the post uh, over the years and uh, I wanted to just kind of get your thoughts on the Phillies as I know you don't sit there and watch all the games like a lot of us Phillies sickos do but obviously their slow start has been a relatively big talking point during the course of the of the season because this was a team that went to the World Series last year and we all had high expectations that they would challenge the Braves for the division that they would be contenders to get back there once again they made all these offseason moves and yet they are under 500 they're playing a little bit better right now as we speak thankfully when the Detroit Tigers come into town it's a real good opportunity to get yourself healthy but as you look at what the Phillies have done so far this year what do you see as the biggest culprit of really this is yet another season two in a row in which they kind of got off to a slow start out of the gate you know it's
1: it's really interesting they are such a a interesting like vibes team and and Mm. relied so heavily on just being that that great clubhouse and I don't think anything has changed in that regard I mean it's and if anything you know they're they're more talented than they were this year so it's it's kind of interesting but I think it's just Sort of the way these things go. I mean, the the Mets, these veteran teams, and it seems like if they, you know, they don't start hot, it it takes a while to get going, and it's just it's kind of fascinating. It's, it seems like they're not the only ones in that boat. The Padres, obviously, the Mets, all these teams that spend a lot of money. There's there's a lot of pressure there, and uh, it's showing. But you know, I don't I don't look at the Phillies and think this is over by any means. I think there are teams in much worse shape, and it's just hard to bet against them, frankly, after what we saw last year.
0: Do you believe in a, a World Series hangover? Because it seems as though some of the starting pitchers, specifically Aaron Nola, uh, but and also th- a couple of the hitters, Trey Turner, Schwarber, Real Muto, they got off to real slow starts. A few of those guys, the three hitters I just mentioned, played in the World Baseball Classic, and Dave Dombrowski told Ken Rosenthal that he thinks that had something to do with the slow start. Um, they weren't in spring training as everybody was getting used to new rules, and I'm wondering what you think about the idea of a World Series hangover and or playing in the World Baseball Classic as being maybe a couple of the reasons?
1: You know, it's it's super interesting that two of the teams that have had, you know, had a lot of their big names go to WBC, the Phillies and the Cardinals have really struggled uh, to start the season. It's just hard to not Put two and two together there, and think maybe being out of the routine, or maybe ramping up as early as they did, just kind of made it difficult for for them to proceed as usual. So, you know, I I certainly buy that, and I and I absolutely believe that there's a, a World Series hangover, if not emotionally, maybe in their case, just physically. I mean, what they had to do last year to kind of just get themselves there, and then the emotion and the the grind of their run, it was. You know, a lot of teams that get to the World Series don't have to sort of do that. It's it's not quite as difficult. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I believe in that, especially on the pitching side. Between that, the new rules changes. Uh, it kind of all makes sense. Um, and I just can't kind of escape the idea that, that the teams that sent the most guys to the WBC have also seen the most underperforming from those stars.
0: Yeah, it's interesting and I haven't seen anybody really write up and and take a look at how the players who played in the WBC are faring here through the first few months of the season. I mean, for Kyle Schwarber, he always does nothing in the first 2 months of the season, but I mean, <laughs> it is hard to to swallow a 165 batting average through the first 2 months of the season even as little weight as we give batting average anymore. 165 is 165, but seriously with with Schwarber and June how can he go from being so bad in April and May and then flipping a dang switch every year once June rolls around? I mean, I I know there is, there is streakiness in baseball, but it's, it's, it's kind of difficult for, for baseball fans to understand how players can go through streaks like that.
1: There's no doubt. I mean, he's such an anomaly. I remember he was briefly with the nationals and we saw him every day and it looked like he was going to single-handedly sort of carry them to the playoffs starting yeah. mid summer. It was unbelievable. Um, there are real reasons why that happens, but you would think someone of his sort of caliber and, and stature would try to figure out how to avoid it. But it, it it's just it, maybe it's not that easy. And and honestly, maybe there's an urgency factor there. I think mm-hmm. you see that in, with a lot of the guys. I think of Randy Orozarena, just how much the stage helps him become himself. And I, I think Kyle Schwarber is one of those guys that as the stakes go up something flips for him. So maybe seeing his team in this position in June or, you know, mm-hmm. being in these situations <laughs> is part of it. Um, but it's certainly puzzling. And he kind of is like the Phillies overall in that way. Like the talent's there, you know, the guy's trying, you know, he's, he's really well-respected and yet somehow these slow starts just kind of keep piling up and it, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs>
0: You covered the Nationals for a long time, and obviously the Phillies have a number of Nationals from their heyday on this roster. Uh, Trey Turner and Bryce Harper, of course, chief among them. Now, Bryce Harper is doing fine. The power hasn't come back yet, but I, I think that's understandable given the fact he came back two months early from Tommy John surgery. Everybody's kind of understanding of that, and he's doing other things, hitting really well otherwise. And so I think everybody's pleased with the production from Bryce Harper. But Trey Turner's struggles have obviously caught everybody by surprise. I know he was on a short list of National League MVP candidates at the start of the season. Everyone basically said that this was a perfect fit of player and team. As someone who saw him play a lot, can Phillies fans, should Phillies fans be hopeful that he will turn things around? And maybe he's even starting to now. We've seen things pick up a little bit now that the calendar flipped to June.
1: I think, you know, Trey Turner is one of the few players i just have never worried about um we've seen him be streaky he's had playoffs where he almost completely disappeared and and he's had playoffs where he's been really good he's had seasons where he started strong and and seasons where he's kind of looked totally out of sorts so he really is um despite this start just one of the steadiest players mentally i've sort of ever encountered and i think you can kind of count on the skills to come through he's not a guy who's gonna um, kind of bury himself, and he can get out of a slump real quick with a couple hard ground balls to the right place, and all of a sudden everything looks better. So, yeah. one of the things that that I've seen with him though is, and I think, you know, maybe it's WBC related, maybe he's pressing a little bit with the new deal. Is there's just a lot of motion in his swing. He's a guy who kind of needs the timing to be there, and he just looks like he's thinking about his swing. If that makes sense, yeah. um, it doesn't seem like it's flowing naturally. There's a lot of hand movement he's trying to time up. And, and when Trey Turner's right, it's all there, but it you don't notice it as much. And mm-hmm. I think he's probably just a little bit in his head right now and, and obviously didn't want to start this way with the Phillies. So, you know, I talked to him before the season and one of the things he said is like this is where i am now so whatever happens like this is where it happens and i think there's sort of an interesting pressure there of like you know this is going to be his legacy so he's probably adjusting to that but i think mechanically the swing just looks a little bit deliberate and and not free-flowing and um you know that will not be true forever with trey turner because he's really smart he's quick to adjust knows kevin long really well i'm I'm pretty confident that that he will figure that out
0: yeah, he had a four-for-five night a couple nights ago with two home runs in the series opener against Detroit, so I think Phillies fans are hoping maybe he's starting to find his swing. Last thing on the Phillies, and then I just want to ask you a couple things about the National League and some of those struggling teams, as you mentioned. Contract negotiations between the Phillies and Aranola broke down during the spring. We don't know the nature of the contract being discussed, so we have no idea what those numbers looked like, but given his uneven start to the season, do you think he's hurt himself in free agency this offseason?
1: Maybe a little bit, um, but what I will say is that when you look at the free agent class outside of maybe Otani, um, mm-hmm. who kind of doesn't count, you have a lot of pitchers who just, there's an unknown here and an unknown there. You know, Max Scherzer might be available. Clayton Kershaw, these kind of older guys, do you bet on them with their age? You know, Julio Urias is one of the best starters available, but, you know, it, it there's just kind of not, It's you look at all these different guys and, and there's a question, and I think, you know, Aaron Nola may be dipping a little bit in, in his performance early, still plenty of time to figure it out. It's sort of, you know, if there's one question about him and it's one kind of rough year as he's adjusting to the rule changes, I don't think that's going to you know, erase his potential value in free agency in a market where there are so many question marks. There's a lot of veteran starters, but they all have something. So to me, you know, I think he's been pretty candid about how he's had to take a little off to adjust the pitch clock those adjustments will either work or they won't. And and he'll either, you know, figure it out or he won't. But um, it makes sense, given mm-hmm. that, that he would be kind of, you know, in a place that he hasn't been before. So to me, I, you know, I don't think he's going to be destroyed in any way, destroy his value or anything like that. I think he's got the track record and the reputation among, you know, other players and stuff that you look at him and still think that's a guy who we can count on and and give big money to. In a class where there are a lot of guys, where you're like, I'm not sure if I can count on him, and and whether there's there's, you know, he's worth the risk.
0: Yeah, I think that's what something Phillies fans need to need to realize. And we've gone over the starting pitching options and free agency. Sometimes it doesn't matter the performance; it can also just be demand. You know, <laughs> and so yep. if there's not much if there's not much out there to buy, you're going to spend more than you might ordinarily uh, spend. We uh, anybody who tried to buy a used car a couple of years ago understands that. Um, so the Phillies are one of four. National League teams that made the playoffs last year that are struggling. You mentioned you mentioned that earlier, the Mets, the Padres, the Cardinals, and the Phillies. Let's just assume for the moment that two of those four make the playoffs. Which two of the four do you think have the best shot of fixing their problems, getting back on the right track, and making the postseason?
1: So I think it's the Phillies and the Mets. But I, I think it's less because I think they will fix their problems and more because the Cardinals and Padres have seemingly so many, um, you know, I think that the the Cardinals, for sure, and the Padres are sort of really in it, they're in their heads, they're underperforming. Uh, It just seems like there's finger pointing, you know, there's team meetings and kind of all these things that you never want to see that sort of betray panic in teams that that don't want you to think they're panicked. Mm. The Mets and Phillies, you know, the Phillies have been here before. And it seems like this time last year, the the angst levels were higher. You know, you had Girardi to worry about and you kind of knew that was coming. And and this year, it, it just feels like you know, they're just waiting to kind of find momentum. It's not like they are searching for their souls in the same way. So <laughs> I don't know if that's true if you watch them every day, but it yeah. certainly feels that way watching them a few times a week. And um it just seems like they're closer than, you know, than some of those other teams. And I think the Mets are, you know, less in catastrophe than, than they've seemed all year. They've kind of been in a better place than people give them credit for. But yeah, I, I mean, it's possible all four of them end up making it, but if I had to bet right now, I, I just feel like the Cardinals for sure and the Padres maybe are are in a place where they're teetering on on one of those seasons where you could watch things implode really quickly.
0: Last thing for you, uh, flipping the script a little bit, a couple of the teams we didn't expect to do a whole lot this year that find themselves in a playoff position right now are the Diamondbacks, the Pirates, and the Marlins. I think Arizona right now seems, in my opinion, to have the best roster of the three. But how sustainable are what the Marlins and the Pirates are doing right now?
1: That's a great question. You know, I I always think people underestimate the Marlins. I think they just have more veteran talent there than people give them credit for. They've got pitching. No, they kind of have weird off seasons where they don't look like they've won the winter or anything. But they're just a little bit better than I think people think. Um, So for me, they look a little bit more solid, more experienced than the Pirates. That being said, I wouldn't have thought the Pirates would be where they are. Maybe it is sustainable. But I think, you know, I agree with your read that the Diamondbacks have sort of the most complete roster uh, of those teams. It's possible they don't have enough yet. It's possible they're going to have a a really big breakout year, and then next year's the year they're ready to to sustain it. But they've sustained it to this point, and, you know, they've got some good veterans in there. They've got pretty decent pitching to which they can add at the deadline if they want. So if I had to kind of rate them, it would – would be Arizona Marlins Pirates. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think people around the game really think the D backs are, are for real.
0: Yeah, they have, I think they have better star level players too at the top of the roster to yes. kind of carry them through some some tough times. So uh, very interesting times in the National League right now. And Chelsea Janes is covering it all wonderfully for the Washington Post. So follow her on Twitter if you don't already. Once again, at Chelsea underscore Janes. Hey, Chelsea, thanks so much for coming on Hit and Season. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, so it's time for your stat of the week now, and this comes from ESPN Stats and Info. Kyle Schwarber's leadoff home run in the first inning was the Phillies' only run in a one nothing win over the Tigers Tuesday, as you know. It is the third time in Phillies history that a leadoff home run has represented their only run in a one nothing win. The most recent before Tuesday was Jimmy Rollins in 2012 against the Miami Marlins. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this edition of Hit and Season. My thanks once again to Chelsea James for joining me on the podcast. And again, a reminder about the Hit and Season Patreon. We want you to go over there and check that out. You can also check out everything we've got going on with Hit and Season at BillyPenn.com. We've got our own landing page there. Go to BillyPenn.com slash Hit and Season. And I would encourage you to check out all of the great stuff that Billy Penn is reporting on. They know the city of Philadelphia like nobody else. And you can check out all of the other great WHYY podcasts you can find us there, but you can also go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Just do a search on WHYY, and you can find a whole ton of great stuff there. Um, So we'd encourage you to do that. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time here on Hittin' Season.